Psychic Development Lesson 2. During the process of doing the final revisions for this book, I met with Deborah on a regular basis for a time. Because Deborah took her anonymity seriously, these meetings had a clandestine quality to them. We would typically meet on little used side roads where we we could sit in the back of her van and talk. There was a protocol for these meetings. She would pick the date and the time, but I would choose the exact location. There were numerous secluded side roads near the country home where I lived at that time, so there were many different locations from which I could choose. The way that I would communicate the chosen location was that the night before the meeting, I would sit in a chair, close my eyes and visualise the place where we were to meet the next day. I wouldn't write down the location or say it out loud. The process of visualisation was to only take place in my mind because Deborah would read my mind and that's how she knew the location. That was the only way she wanted it to be communicated to her. I never talked with anyone else about these visualised locations. The next day I would go to the location that I had visualised the night before and her driver and her would be parked there already. For a time I was tempted to believe that she wasn't really reading my mind, that she had a hidden GPS device on my car, that they were tracking it when I left the house, anticipating where I was headed and showing up there ahead of me. But one day I left for a meeting just as it was beginning to snow. The snow came down heavily as I drove. When I arrived at the meeting place, there was snow on top of the van and all around it. When I got into the van, Deborah smiled wryly but said nothing about my doubts concerning whether or not she could read my mind. After our meeting, I left the van to get back into my own car. As the van drove off, I noticed that beneath where it had been parked, there was no snow at all. They must have parked at that spot even before I left to meet them. Psychic Culture I have to tell you that the study of this lesson too may be difficult for some persons, and this may be because of emotional barriers. Some students might find this lesson an easy one to master, while others may feel highly challenged. And this has nothing to do with an intellectual understanding of what you read. If they apply themselves, anyone of Norman intelligence can easily grasp what's being said here. But there's an issue of cultural shock. There are two cultures on planet Earth right now. There is the larger mainstream culture of persons who don't use their psychic abilities. But also there is the smaller secluded culture of persons who do use their psychic abilities. The odds are that you, the reader, have grown up in the mainstream culture of people who don't use their psychic abilities. This lesson too may be your first gateway into this secluded culture of psychics. Some persons, even very intelligent persons, may feel some resistance to this process of cultural adaptation. I'm not saying that you're going to necessarily socialise with other psychics, but psychic awareness is a different way of thinking about the world. It requires a new attitude and you may or may not feel comfortable in adopting this new attitude. I mention this now because it might be something you have to work through. The basic theory of psychic ability is simple. Think of your entire body as being like an antennae designed to receive and transmit psychic energy. You first develop your psychic abilities by attuning yourself to the Holy Spirit, which could also be called universal life force or divine source energy.
Once you've attuned to the divine source energy, you do exercises that increase your mind-body connection. As you become hypersensitive to your mind-body connection, your psychic powers naturally emerge. Divine Source Energy This is the Holy Spirit, which is the invisible force and divine will that emanates from the divine source of all things. This divine source is the maker of all things, both seen and unseen. If you've ever been involved with any Reiki healing or similar energy healing, divine source energy is the universal life force that you direct while doing the healing. Divine source. This is God, the creator, who is the source of all existence, visible and invisible. Everywhere in the material universe and on the spiritual realm. Or you might think of this as an intelligent subatomic energy field that permeates the entire universe and out of which all material forms and electromagnetic energies are manifest. Spiritual realm. This is what some would call heaven. It is a higher spiritual dimension of existence. It is a realm of pure love. The material universe is the world that we can see, hear, touch, smell and taste. We observe the material universe with our sensory perceptions. We observe the spiritual realm with our feelings of faith and our extrasensory perceptions, our ESP. The spiritual realm interacts with the material universe but also transcends it. The spiritual realm isn't really separate from the material universe, although it may seem so. But the spiritual realm is not an abstract idea. With training, you can come to sense the reality of the spiritual realm in your everyday life. The terms divine source energy, divine source and spiritual realm are terms that have been taught to me by an anonymous Christian psychic known to her students as Deborah. She feels it's best that persons training to become psychic be given a new terminology. A new terminology allows you to think of these concepts in a new way. These three concepts have been around for thousands of years, but if you think about them in a new way, you can more easily develop your psychic powers, which are your gifts of the spirit. In this lesson, we're going to explain psychic ability in an intellectual way, but actually it's best if you understand psychic ability in an intuitive way. Nevertheless, we start off with the intellectual explanation of psychic ability so that you can transcend it. As you go through the following lessons, you will learn to feel how psychic ability works. That is, you will learn to intuitively sense how psychic ability works. But it's important that you first satisfy the analytical part of your mind so that you can let go of any tendency to continually intellectualize the process. An intellectual understanding of psychic ability will not give you psychic powers, but it can give you a framework for thinking about psychic powers, and this frees you to trust your intuition. As you do the training exercises in this book, you will use your intuition and develop it. This structured development of your intuitive powers will cause your natural psychic abilities to emerge. Non-locality is reality. A non-local connection is a connection to something which is not in your local area. 
When you call someone on a phone, you are making a non-local connection with that person. However, the significance of non-locality to psychic phenomena has to do with the science of quantum physics. This science studies quantum particles which are a measure of subatomic forces. Quantum non-locality refers to the fact that quantum particles have been shown to sometimes have non-local connections with one another. They may be miles apart from one another, and yet the behaviour of one quantum particle may be entangled with the behaviour of another one. There appears to be no known cause and effect mechanism of the material universe which connects these particles together. That is to say, you can't explain this phenomenon with Newton's laws of mechanics. This phenomenon of non-locality was known to the Stanford Research Institute's research scientists who worked on its psychic research program that took place during the Cold War. They sought to develop techniques that would allow a human mind to make a non-local connection with another human mind. They also developed techniques for a human observer to make non-local observations of places and events. This would come to be known as remote viewing. Quantum physics is one of the most well-established disciplines of science. Many of the most advanced scientists in the world recognize that, although it may seem counterintuitive, non-locality is a real phenomenon. So for the purpose of psychic development, the question is, how can you best take advantage of this universal quality of non-locality? The answer to that question is found in neuroscience. The neuroscience of psychic ability. I am not teaching you a course on neuropsychology, but I do need to go into some information that the science of the brain of brain research has indicated. The human brain has two hemispheres, each of which in a generalized way can be associated with certain mental attributes. Less left hemisphere brain traits, logic, reason, rationality, language, math, science and analysis thinks with words or symbols. Right hemisphere brain traits, emotion, imagination, intuition, spatial awareness, holism and visualization, thinks with emotional mental images. If I were trying to teach neuropsychology, I would explain this in a more complex way, but for our purposes here, I'm going to put this as simply as I can. The conscious mind is associated with the dominance of the left hemisphere of the brain and the subconscious mind is associated with the dominance of the right hemisphere of the brain. But although they do represent two different modes of thought, the conscious and subconscious minds do have a complementary relationship and much of psychic ability has to do with the interplay between the conscious mind and the subconscious mind. The subconscious mind and the conscious mind are separated by a barrier which is a partial absence of wiring between these two hemispheres of the brain. This allows the brain's functions to be specialised. This ability for specialisation has survival value. In our daily lives, we all go back and forth between these two modes of thinking. For example, when you are reading a book on sports, you are using your left hemisphere brain functions. But when you immerse yourself in playing a sport, you are using your right hemisphere brain functions. 
When you are reading the book on sports, your conscious mind is analysing what you read. But when you are actually playing the sport, you don't have time to analyse what you're doing. You have to act with intuitive and instinctual certainty. And your intuitions and instincts arise from your subconscious mind. In living your life, you are always switching the mental gears in your brain, sometimes using the left hemisphere, conscious mind, and other times relying on the right hemisphere, subconscious mind. A name for this mental barrier between the conscious and subconscious minds is the Lyman. This comes from a root word that means threshold. In psychology, the word threshold refers to a limit beyond which a stimulus fails to cause a reaction. So what goes on in one hemisphere doesn't stimulate a reaction in the other hemisphere. The word subliminal is derived from the same root word as Lyman. So anything that is subliminal is something which speaks directly to the subconscious mind or which involves the subconscious mind. This brings up the question as to why the psychic threshold exists. And the answer is that society conditions people to lose their psychic abilities. You were born psychic. You still had psychic powers when you were a small child, but then you were trained and conditioned to lose your psychic abilities as you grew up. The psychological barrier of the psychic threshold is created by social conditioning. The normal interaction between the left and right hemispheres of your brain has been interrupted by the process of education and socialization within our materialistic society. Our present-day society is not friendly to people with actual psychic abilities. This is why most of the psychics I have known have been very discreet in how they reveal such abilities. You could say that our present-day materialistic culture conditions people to suffer from spiritual deprivation. Psychic training is a way to overcome this spiritual deprivation. The male brain and the female brain are wired in slightly different ways. One difference is that women have more wiring between the left and right hemispheres than men do. And this means that the connection between the left and right hemispheres is more prominent in women than in men. So this is why women are generally more intuitive than men. Perhaps it would be more accurate to say that women can more easily integrate intuitive thinking with logical thinking. This integration of logic with intuition is essential in psychic ability, so women often find it easier to train themselves to be psychic. However, with training, a man can develop his intuitive abilities. Understanding how the brain works is essential to this. The female brain can more easily integrate left and right brain functions. The male brain is more inclined to move back and forth between two different conditions of left brain dominance and right brain dominance. Men are more dualistic in their mental functions than are women. When men are logical, they are very logical. For example, young boys generally find it easier to learn math than do young girls. Yet there are times, however, when men seem devoid of logic and rely solely on instincts or emotional thinking. In activities like aggressive sports and hand-to-hand -hand combat, this type of emergence into instinctive emotionality can have its advantages. 
So one might say that nature has neurologically designed men and women in slightly different ways to solve the problems of survival. The male brain and the female brain represent two different but complementary neurological strategies for survival. What this means for men who wish to develop psychic abilities is that we must work slightly harder. A man training to become a psychic can compensate for the advantage that women have in developing intuitive skills. He can do this by being more disciplined and determined in his approach to psychic training. At the back of the brain is the visual cortex. This is the part of the brain that receives and processes information from the optic nerves. But the visual cortex isn't just involved in processing optical information. Neurologists have observed that the visual cortex is still active in persons who have been blind for life. This is because this part of the brain is involved with conceptualizing the surrounding environment and what goes on there. Sighted persons use visual information to conceptualize their surrounding environment. However, Blind persons use their other senses, such as hearing, although even without the faculty for vision, it is still the visual cortex which is involved in their conceptualization of the environment. This suggests a deeper meaning as to how the visual cortex operates. The visual cortex is vital in understanding your personal relationship with your surrounding environment. Consider the fact that both of the brain's hemispheres use the visual cortex. The visual cortex connects the left and right hemispheres. The visual cortex is able to incorporate both modes of thinking. So it is like a doorway which connects two rooms together. The left and right hemispheres communicate with one another through the activities of the visual cortex. Via the visual cortex, the subconscious mind sends messages to the conscious mind in the form of visions, such as those which you experience in sleep dreams via the visual cortex. Sorry, in sleep dreams. Via the visual cortex, the subconscious mind sends messages to the sorry. Via the visual cortex, the conscious mind sends messages to the subconscious mind through daydreams and imagination. So it is important to be clear in understanding the nature of the conscious and subconscious minds. As infants, all boys and girls are more dependent upon the right hemisphere for their thinking because they haven't yet learned language. As children grow up, they learn more language and become more dependent upon the left hemisphere for thinking. So the consciousness of the child slowly shifts from the right hemisphere to the left hemisphere which then becomes dominant in the thought processes. So the adult mind is the conscious mind, which depends more upon left hemisphere thinking than upon right hemisphere thinking. Thus, the childlike mind that is involved with right brain thinking becomes the subconscious mind because it becomes subordinate to the adult conscious mind of rationality. Superconscious mind. This is the aspect of mind which transcends the ego and the physical body. In religious terms, it's the mind of the soul. It's your spiritual body. Your spiritual body will survive the eventual death of your physical body. Your spiritual body fills and surrounds your physical body. 
It is the essential spiritual consciousness that resides in your physical body and it is the aura that surrounds your physical body. The superconscious mind is essentially spiritual and it's the source of psychic abilities. The superconscious mind communicates with the spiritual realm. Your superconscious mind is the spiritual body that lives continually in the spiritual realm. So the superconscious mind is above and beyond the intellectual limitations of the conscious mind. And the superconscious mind transcends the powers of the subconscious mind. But while you are physically alive in this incarnation, your superconscious mind can be in a sleep-like state. And this is the condition that most human beings are in right now. Through spiritual experiences, you awaken your superconscious mind. And when that happens, you become more fully aware of the spiritual realm. An analogy that might be used is that the spiritual realm is like the internet and the superconscious mind is like a computer terminal which gives you access to the internet. The divine source is the wellspring of all knowledge and the spiritual realm is the home of the divine source and as such it contains all knowledge. When your computer accesses the internet it is accessing a source of greater information. When your superconscious mind accesses the spiritual realm you are accessing a source of greater information. The thought processes of the superconscious mind and the substance of the spiritual realm are difficult to explain in words. Again, there is an analogy which might help. A holographic image is a three-dimensional picture made with laser light beams that reflect off a hologram plate. Like a statue made of light, the holographic image looks different depending upon the angle at which you view it. And unlike a two-dimensional photo, every part of a hologram contains all the information contained in the whole. If you were to cut a photograph in half, you would lose half of its visual information. But if you cut a hologram in half and project a holographic image for it, from it, such an image would still be whole, although it would be visually less resolute. Holographic intelligence is based on the principle that all of the object is contained in every part. For example, all of the laws of nature are contained in every location of the material universe. This is why the laws of nature are universal. So the spiritual realm and your superconscious mind are based on what might be described as holographic intelligence contained in spiritual forms. From any point in the spiritual realm, you can feel the presence of the divine source and everything that has taken place is taking, pl is taking place and will take place in the material universe is known to the divine source. Your spiritual body, which is your superconscious mind, is connected to your living physical body, but your spiritual body lives eternally in the spiritual realm. When you fully attune your conscious mind to your superconscious mind, all knowledge becomes available to you. If this seems illogical to you, don't worry. It's impossible for human logic to fully comprehend the superconscious mind because it transcends the logic-based conscious mind. However, it is important to note that one aspect of the subconscious mind is that it's more holistic in its thinking than the conscious mind. 
So this is one reason why the subconscious mind more easily relates to the superconscious mind. Both the subconscious mind and the superconscious mind think holistically, but the conscious mind thinks in a logical, sequential way. Concepts like holographic intelligence can only be partially understood with logic. You must grasp them intuitively in order to comprehend them. Logical analysis will only take you so far. Intuition completes the journey of true understanding. Some studies into psychic research indicate that children are naturally more psychic than adults and that their natural psychic abilities decrease as they become older. Because of their lack of language skills, young children have to be super intuitive. So the subconscious mind which developed in childhood is the key to superconscious psychic abilities. The superconscious mind is the source of your psychic abilities. The subconscious mind is emotional, imaginative and intuitive. Its thinking is not based on words or numbers. Yet it is these qualities of intuition and imagination which make the subconscious mind receptive to the superconscious mind. The thinking of the conscious mind is based on language and logic, but the superconscious mind has knowledge that transcends the limits of human language and logic. Thereby, the subconscious mind better translates the transcendental knowledge of the superconscious mind. But any information that is contained in the subconscious mind can, through training, be translated into a useful way into the conscious mind. Can be translated in a useful way into the conscious mind. The conscious mind can receive psychic information through the subconscious mind. So communication between the subconscious mind and the conscious mind is the key to awakening psychic powers. The visual cortex is one pathway between the conscious and subconscious modes of thinking, but there is another. The nervous system of the physical body also connects the two hemispheres. More than anything else, what the conscious mind and the subconscious mind have in common is the physical body. The left hemisphere of the brain and the right hemisphere of the brain are divided by the limen, but they are connected to each other through the body's nervous system. So a sensitivity to feelings in the physical body allows for communication between the left hemisphere and the right hemisphere. Also, physical actions using the body's nervous system to allow communication between the left and right hemispheres. Thus, the conscious mind and the subconscious mind do have a dialogue with another through physical sensitivity and physical actions. Therefore, physicality along with visual processes are two doorways between the conscious mind and the subconscious mind. There is a spiritual realm which connects everything and everybody in the material universe. When you understand the true nature of the spiritual realm, you realize that it is essentially made up of pure spiritual love. And this is what heaven is, a realm of pure spiritual love. And the environment of heaven is made up of all of the expressions of love. There are expressions of love in the material world, but let's face it, there are also many loveless aspects to life in the material world. The only things in the material world that last forever are those things that are expressions of true love. 
all of the loveless aspects of the material world will pass away. So an awakening of your awareness of spiritual love is essential to the awakening of your superconscious mind powers. The superconscious mind allows you to interact with this spiritual realm and it's the subconscious mind which most easily attunes itself to this superconscious source of psychic information. Your intuition of feelings of faith can help awaken you to the wisdom and power of the divine source who acts through divine source energy. You develop your intuition by paying attention to what you feel in your physical body. When you want to receive psychic information, pay attention to what your body is feeling or allow yourself or allow your physical actions to be guided intuitively. When you want to transmit either psychic information or psychic energy, you use your imagination and you act out physically in some way. When you meditate, you are quieting your mind and relaxing your physical body so that you can become deeply sensitive to it. This deep physical sensitivity allows you to feel the presence of divine source energy that is within you. And this connects you to the wisdom of the divine source. Further lessons in this course will teach you to train your mind and body so that you remove the barriers that prevent you from accepting the wisdom that comes from the divine source. You will learn to better open yourself to divine source energy and you will learn to receive information from the spiritual realm. All of this will make it possible for you to live a better life in the world. Training practice. From now on, at the end of every lesson, <clears throat> check in with your mind and body connection. As you have made it to the end of this lesson, I want you to do something. I want you to pay attention to what you feel in your physical body. Have you been yawning? Do you feel any confusion? Does your understanding of this lesson feel lucid? I don't care if you think that you understand this lesson. Do you feel the truth of this lesson inside of yourself? Do you feel good right now? If you have any feelings of doubt about this lesson, I challenge you to make the decision to re-study it, either now or later. Use your dictionary or other research tools in a liberal way. Re-study this lesson too, as well as lesson one and the introduction, until you feel that you have fully apprehended the significance of what you've read. Remember this, you are a child of the divine source. All of the knowledge of the universe has always been inside of you. When you learn something new, you are merely awakening to knowledge that is already there. The lessons in this book are not academic, they are practical. If you apply yourself to studying them, you will awaken an ability that sleeps inside of you now.